podcast where we talk about the lessons learned in parenting, jujitsu, and where they sometimes converge and overlap. My name is Blake Kosmeyer. I am a brown belt in jujitsu and the father of two young kids. And my co-host is Uday Maholtra. Hey guys, Uday Maholtra here, black belt in jujitsu and father of two beautiful little girls. Um, hoping to share some stories and anecdotes here with you. Okay, guys. So this week we're gonna um, our theme sort of this week is talking about you know overcoming adversity um, and how to how to bounce back when life is getting you down. Um, I think you know Uday and I have both had some challenges in the past few weeks, yeah. and uh, it's a good opportunity for us to open up about how we approach uh, not necessarily failure, but maybe setbacks and failures yeah. if it's if it's available. Yeah. Rough spots, um, right? Yeah. Uh, first yeah. off, Uday, how was uh, how's your week been, dude? Man, it, it's been really nice. You know, we just wrapped up the Fourth of July, right? And so um, last week, and it was really cool. You know, we went down to Palm Springs, um, took the family. My my sister in law came with her husband and kid as well, and it was really nice. We just had like pool time during the day, and like you know, we we're there for two nights, and it was nice. Like one night, we watched all the kids and. And my sister-in-law and her husband got to kind of do their thing. And then the other night we switched, right? So me and my wife got to kind of just have some like time to catch up, which we haven't really had quite time to do in a while. Like that isn't like right before bed, you know, just like time to hang out, catch up with each other, reconnect. And um, it was really nice. I, I, this is the first time we've traveled like that. And for parents, I totally recommend it. Even though like you yeah. don't get that like adult time with the other person as much, right? Like adult time with like the other couple or whatever as much. Um, you still get that like nice kind of quiet, like catch up time with your significant other. And it was just like so nice to just reconnect with her after like all the madness of like the long weekend and the busy weeks and whatnot. Yeah, dude. Like I, uh, I've probably said this before, not on this podcast, but like, yeah. you know, in the, uh, adulthood, uh, report card that you give yourself. Like I, I run yeah. down my checklist. I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, I think I got a, a, a plus, a minus in, in fatherhood this week. I got yeah. a, you know, I got a B, B minus in, um, you know, yeah. my, uh, whatever, uh, work responsibilities. And like, I've been a solid C, C minus in, uh, terms of being a husband, I think for a while. Um, and, and, you know, it, it goes, it just, the Becca is so, um, forgiving in this aspect yeah. and she's like yeah. hey this is the season of our lives that we're in right we've got two yeah. small kids and our days are insane from 6 a.m to you know 9 p.m till the end yeah and yeah. this is just the the season in our lives but we do have uh we're going to arizona next weekend nice to, yeah to see um becca's family it happens to be our five-year wedding anniversary, and we're gonna hey. go on our. This is this is so congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, what? man. Well, what's embarrassing? Come on. That we're gonna go on our first real date in three years. Ah, uh, dude, that's not embarrassing. Dude, you have two kids. You have two I kids, know, man. I know. Do you I know, do you have in-laws yeah. living with you around the corner? Nah, dude. Like, give <laughs> no. yourself some grace, yeah. bro. That that's that's great that you guys are prioritizing that, though. Yeah, man. Um, we're stoked. Uh, so yeah. Uh, this week for me, um, you know, I had a had a comp at UCLA. Um, yeah, you did. I <laughs> uh, came up with some hardware. I got silver again. Yes. Um, it was good, dude. I'm just so appreciative of like how much you your coaching has helped me. Your mindset has helped me, um, and it was insane to have, 
you know, you and Alberto on my mat, like coaching me. Uh, and like to have friends sitting there talking to you in between matches, like it's, you know, I come from a really small Academy where I would, you know, I'd get in the car and drive to the tournament by myself and compete, maybe see somebody else there and then just drive home and post about it on Instagram. And that's about it. And to, you know, part of our Academy being so massive and the, I, I, you know, I, I don't think it's. I don't think I'm, I'm exaggerating when I say you, you kind of run the comp program at our Academy yeah. and uh, dude, like the community you've built around that is so insane. It's so rewarding, like to have all of your teammates there um, and to have the coaches there. It was, it's sick, you know, also yeah. like, you know, not to speak too much about Alberto, but like to have Alberto crane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a legend. Like, you yeah. know, give, giving a shit about how like a 39 year old dad does in his yeah. like masters two brown belt comp is like no, it, oh, it, it says a lot it speaks volumes it's, about him yeah it's like so it's like he's sitting there like fucking getting in my head about like yeah all right dude like this this is your time and i'm like this is yeah. my time bro <laughs> this is my time i love it i love yeah. it dude you know what so. i'll tell you man like first of all it's, it was my pleasure like training with you and coaching you and, and just being in your corner is, is like is super fun for me right like i mean selfishly I, I get i get things out of it too right i get to train with you and I, like i'm picking up pointers on, on what i'm doing what i can do better right like and i mean just being there coaching i wasn't gonna miss it all the time that time we spent together I, I was like blake's coming off of this with hardware if it's the last thing i do right like so um so it, dude it was my pleasure and you know i mean i think what you say about alberto is totally right you know i've i've seen i've seen really high level black belts i've seen people leave schools because the head instructor only cares to coach the stu- superstars, right? Yeah. And so, um, and I get that, you know, you can only be one person, right? You're, you're only one person and there's only so much you can spread out, right? Um, I, I understand. And, the fa- and I know how hard it is. I can only empathize with how difficult it is. And the fact that Alberto makes time for everybody. And I'm not saying that you're not a superstar, right? Like, that's not what I'm no, saying. No, no, I'm saying, yeah. you know, he whether you were a, you know, a white belt, this is your first tournament or you're a brown belt, you know, who's competing, uh, getting back in the comp scene, you know, like he doesn't care if you have, if you have his patch on, he's going to try and make time. Either he's going to coach you or he's going to send someone to coach you. Right. And so yeah. I think that just speaks volumes about him and how he cares about his students. Yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, then just and quickly... I just, also, I, oh, go ahead. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just no, want to say, good. I'd be remiss without saying you killed it, man. You did really well, dude. You should be really proud of your performance at that tournament. You know, Thanks. as always. Yeah, of course, dude. I mean, as always, like anytime we compete, anytime we put ourselves on the stage, like it's, it's nerve wracking. Right. And it's, it's, um, you get that knot in your stomach and the more we get comfortable with that knot in our stomach, the better we perform. And, you know, just like anything, like, there's there's takeaways that we can look into like oh, i i want to tweak that and there's takeaways like i want to lean into that right and so yeah i think that's what competition does for all of us so i just want to say good job to you man congratulations on 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 doing it again uh thanks dude and like yeah like quickly i'll just say you know for anybody out there yeah. listening who's maybe been in the game for a while or who is kind of reaching a plateau in their training like yeah. i i made it to brown belt like competing six to eight times a year and yeah. i never I never scored the first points off of a takedown. Never until brown belt. 
Yes, let's go. (laughs) And I got to brown belt. I'm like, hey, man, there's just these two huge holes in my game. Like my takedown, I don't have the confidence in my takedowns, which is like I did, like I had a D1 wrestler, like coach who would teach Nogi every Friday night and I would show up and I just never, I was like, cool, I know how to do this. I'm not going to, right? Until I had somebody really saying, no, 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 like we're not going to accept the other option. You're going to do this regardless of if you fail, like regardless of whatever happens, you're going to try and do this. And to the point where like both of my competitive, both people I competed against in both tournaments complimented me on my, my, my standup and my takedowns. Yeah. Like the people who I competed against were like, I like, that was sick. Like the, that was a, a, you know, it just sick. looked smooth and clean, dude. It looked like you had done it a thousand times. Well, really you know, nice. thank you. Um, and so, yeah, just like, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're in a place in your jujitsu and you're like, God, I feel like I'm just stalling out or I'm not going to learn or I'm not going to progress, like even up at like, whatever, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I'm not like a three or four degree black belt. I'm still just a, you know, a brown belt. But like, you know, even at this level, there's opportunities to get good at things yeah. that you just never thought you would be good at totally. that you'd like written off years ago. I mean, and that's the beauty with jujitsu, right? Like even as a black belt, even I mean, I've been a black belt for eight years now, and I'm still learning. And I'll tell you, when I'm a black belt for 18 years, I'll still be learning, right? There's still going to be holes in my game. No one's ever going to be perfect at this. And there's still going to be things that I want to refine and get better. And I mean, you know, you helped me find one like last month, right? I'm not going to say it here in case any of my competitors <laughs> are listening. But you helped me find and identify a, a piece of my game that like I totally neglected. And, you know, in the course of competing... I also found a, a hole in my game that I thought was a strength that I was like, oh no, what I've been doing isn't working against like against guys that are built this way, right? So I gotta go back to the drawing board. And that's the beauty of this, is like you're never done learning. It never gets boring. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Um let's let's jump into this week in fatherhood. Um yeah. uh yeah, I'll I'll let you kick it off, man. How's your yeah. how's your week been? So um, I I do have something to share, but before I do that, you know, something kind of related to what we were talking about in the last segment um, that also kind of dives into this week in fatherhood is one of the beauties of doing that like split share with the parents when we went to Palm Springs Mm -hmm. was not only did I get like time to reconnect with my wife, but I got, I had like an opportunity to like turn off everything and just hang out with the kids and be a kid too, you know, like it was so fun. Just like, Hanging out in a hotel, hang out in the pool, hang out like playing card games with my daughters, like eating pizza in bed, like watching, watching like, I think we watched like Toy Story, you know, as they fell asleep. You know, it was just like perfect, you know? And so, man, if you ever have the chance, like if there's another adult couple that you're going to be in Arizona with, dude, like I, I, I recommend it. Or if you get another opportunity to do something like that, like yeah, it, it, it just makes it like so, so worthwhile the extra time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, with that said, you know, there's something I've been I've been debating whether I want to share this or not on a public platform. Um, and the reality is that I, I, I didn't want to like be like a Debbie Downer about this, you know, and like share it and people go, oh, man, that sucks. You know, like um, and, and it's not it's look, I'll preface it, it's not a huge deal. Right. Like everyone's healthy. Everyone's fine. Um but, you know, I, I had been working at Disney for two years, and um, in April, I found out I was getting laid off. 
And last, this past Monday was my last day. Mm. And, you know, it, look, it, it, it sucks. There's no two ways about it, right? Like this is a terrible job market to be hanging out in. Um, there's with all the layoffs going around, like so many hyper-qualified people from so many great companies. Jobs are slim right now. And it just sucks, you know? And, and like I said, the reason I didn't really want to share it was because I don't like dwelling on the negative. I like kind of like leaning into the positive. Yeah. And I think there's a lesson there though, right? Like I think there's a lesson to be, to take away. So I figured why not just kind of share that right now? I'll tell yeah. you this too, Blake is like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I was going to say that yeah. like that, yeah. you know, given that, um, yeah. it, like kind of immediately what we were talking about, right? Like, yeah. uh, if we don't address the holes in our game, we don't have the opportunity to get better. And like, you know, the reason why I shared that I, my standup was terrible is because hopefully there's somebody else out there who stand up is terrible. And they're like, Oh, totally. cool. Like I, this will give me the courage to, you know, work on that because Address I know it. It, can, it can get better. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this too, is that, you know, uh Oh, do we lose internet connection? Are you good? Lost you there for a second. Uday. Uh, can you hear me? Can you hear, can me? You hear me now? I can. Yeah. Hear yeah, you. yeah. 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 Okay. Can you hear me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, cool. Just pick up. Okay. Um, I'll tell you this too, is like, you know, look, for the longest, I, like I said, I found this out in April and I, my last day was this past Monday on July 7th. And for the longest time I went without telling my kids because, you know, look, I know it's probably on my head, but I didn't want to disappoint them. Right. Like I don't want them to feel the stress of me not having a job. Right. Like that's, that's my kind of problem to solve, not theirs. Right. And so I didn't tell them and something you said a few episodes ago really rung true to me and inspired me to just be like forthright with them. Right. Like it, it, it's just, just face it. Right. And, and allowing myself to be vulnerable and, and, and kind of show, showing for them like, Hey, this is okay. Like, you know, th these things happen. Right. And so um, you had mentioned like your anecdote about falling off the skateboard and pretending to be okay in front of Owen and him kind of like mirroring that, that to you. And so mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I, I don't want them to not tell me if something's going poorly, right? I want to know. I want to be able to be there to support them. And if I can help them, I can help them. If I can't, then, you know, I'll, I'll at least be there to support them. And so that's why ultimately I, I did tell my kids. And, you know, the way I shared it with them was like, look, I don't want to make a big deal of it was, was um, you know, just like, look, there's a change in Disney's business. And what Papa does now is, is not really what Disney needs. And so Papa's going to find another job. You know, and, and yeah. my older dog's like, oh, oh, okay, that makes sense. But now <laughs> this, this kid is all like, Papa, Papa, you need a new, I'm like thinking about getting a new laptop. And she's like, you need a new laptop, Papa? Well, how? You don't have a job. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Get out of here. Like, That's brutal. <laughs> take it easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, home, Elena. Yeah. much smaller, much smaller scale, but, uh, you know, Owen, I think just from watching Paw Patrol or whatever yeah. he watches, like, you know, I come home with a silver medal and it's just like, why isn't yeah. it gold? I heard that <laughs> in one of your videos. Dude, because the other guy was really good today. Silver's good. I lapped everybody yeah. on the couch, you know? like yeah, Exactly, dude. Oh, my oh, God. That's so well, funny. You know, yeah, dude. Yeah. You know, I, 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 um, how did it, you know, I guess, you know, my question is, I, you know, it sounds like your kid, you know, kids, kids don't know what the, they don't know the, the context. They don't know the full, Correct. 
right? We provide that context for them. Correct. Um, and so a lot of kind of what you were experiencing might have been stuff that was your own feelings of like, 100%. you know, um, yeah. how did it feel kind of, did it after telling them or did, did it feel like you were holding something back before you told them about it? It, it did. It, it, it felt like um, it, it was exactly that. It felt like there was missing context for them. Right. Like um, Milena, you know, the girls love Disney characters and that's probably on me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> because I like, Oh, let's go to Disneyland. I can take you guys. Right. Like, and like, Oh, let's just throw on Moana or, or frozen, whatever, you know, like, and so now my youngest daughter, Shia, she loves those characters. And so now like kind of seeing like a little bit of pullback, like from there, like, yo, where's, where's Moana? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Right. Like, can I get a new like little mermaid water bottle? Like, ah, I don't get that discount anymore. Let's take it easy. You know? So I think it was just, it was important for them to have the context. And I think it's also just important for me to be open and honest with the kids when it's appropriate. Right. And there's no reason that they shouldn't know this. Like, Papa's looking for a job, you know? And I mean, you know, Milena's not wrong. Like, yeah, we got to be a little bit, we got to be a little bit tighter with how we're spending, right? Like, yeah. just got to be smart about it. And so, um, you know, like my whole perspective on this is, like I said, I'm a pretty positive person. And I try and maintain that, whether it, through the highs and the lows. And it's easy to be positive when it's things are going well. And it's yeah. it, it's important to maintain that same energy when, when things aren't going so great. But I think, I mean, it's also important to kind of, it, like face face that situation head on right and if, if and, and acknowledge that it sucks acknowledge it like fuck i wish i had this job still right like yeah um but you know i think look looking at the positives like if this is going to happen at least it happened during the summer allows me to hang out with my kids a little more you know yeah. um allows me to train you know man I, you want to hear something funny so um the day after I found out, I showed up at the gym and um, I'm, I'm not going to mention any names, but I have a friend at the gym who loves to give me shit. And <sighs> I walked into the gym and she's like, why you look so, why you look so angry? Why you look so sad, Uday? And I was like, man, I just lost my job. And she goes, why? Is because you're training too much? She's like, you're always here. Jesus. I was like, God damn. Hey, take it easy. I think I know who it was just by you saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why? You, you train too much? Come on, man. Like, uh, like no, nah, dude, I balance my shit. So, yeah. I no, mean, yeah, no. Look, Redundancies, yeah. shifts yeah. in the business plan, like <laughs> <laughs> revenue shortfalls. Come on. Yeah, oh, man. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I can't even um, be mad about it because, like, this, this person, like, I actually laughed. I guffawed. I laughed out loud when she said that, you know, it's like, cause like you got to have a good sense of humor about this stuff, you know? And yeah. it's like, um, and yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting too. Cause right. Like if it was, it was maybe her way of letting you know that it's okay to laugh about it. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was so, not necessarily <laughs> context. I, I, I actually like, I like that. I have that relationship with her that she likes that feels comfortable enough to like jab me when I'm down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's all, like, if somebody off the street said that, I'd be like, oh, you don't know me like that. You can't, don't make that joke yet, dude. Like, yeah. but like, you know, she, she knows me well enough to be like, yeah, it's all good. So, so um, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you like, so I've been laid off. I was laid off in 2018 and then like, yeah. you know, as a contractor, uh, cause I'm a freelance, um, uh, copywriter and creative director now, like I yeah. lose contracts all the time. Um, and getting like, I got laid off because of, you know, 
redundancies and, and revenue shortcomings, but it yep. doesn't like, I just, just broadly, there is something about being the, the provider, you know, yeah. the, having the role of being the man of the house that yeah. uh, I, you know, there's a bit of like, you hate the term yeah. toxic masculinity, um, but they, you know, that, that kind of, this is an opportunity for those narratives to really prey on, you know, kind of the, the vulnerable parts of you. And like, how do you feel as like, as a dad? Cause like, I just give you some more context about what I'm going through right now. So I have, um, my real work, my job job yeah. has been slow. I've been, I've, it's yeah. been rough for the past few months, maybe more than that. And I'm having other opportunities, um, that are coming through doing stuff like this. And yeah. Like, it's hard for me because I'm like, well, this isn't, this isn't a stable career. This doesn't give me health insurance. This doesn't yeah. give me a 401k. Uh, I'm taking risks as a, as a dad that I feel like are maybe inappropriate to take. I should be investing this energy in this thing because as a man uh, in our house, this is like my responsibility and my role. And my wife is like, doesn't care. She's like, yeah, same everything is fine. You're happy. Um, the kids are happy. We have, you know, we're not going broke. Like, let's right. just focus on what's good. Right. But then there's this thing that just kind of eats at I you as a, as a, as a man, I think that's like super uncomfortable. And yeah, like I said, unhealthy, especially because like, you know, you have a partner who's, you know, has an, has a badass career and yeah. like has, you know, has her shit together. And it's like, also doing really well in her in her life. So I don't know, I it just did, did, did those thoughts play at all? 100%. Kind of what you're going through? 100%. You know, look, it, it as 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 a father, as a husband, as a man, you know, like, my first instinct is always to protect my family, right? Like, it's always to make sure that we have what we need. Right. And, yeah. um, and I'll be totally transparent with you, like part of me stepping up my stepping up gorilla den stepping up my privates doing more seminars is part of me this is what i'm bringing to the table right now guys like yeah. i'm looking for a job and i'm not gonna let you down in other ass i'm not gonna let you down here you know like i'm gonna hustle my ass off so that we have what we need and the reality is you're right like we have plenty right like my wife has a great job very stable career knock on wood right like um we have savings. Disney was good enough to give me a, a nice severance and we have what we need. We're doing okay. Yeah. Right. And I still want to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence to make sure that we don't run out of that. Like God yeah. forbid, if something happens to Van's job tomorrow, like I want to make sure that I I'm setting us up for success. And the other yeah. part of that is like, maybe I grow gorilla den to the extent where I don't need to be dependent on someone else to say, Hey, keep working here. Right. Like, yeah. so I, you know, it's, 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 it's just where we're at right now. Right. It's, it's, it's where I'm at right now. And, um, I, I, I don't take any of it for granted, you know, like looking for a job, having the freedom to look for a job. And I'll tell you this too, Blake, dude, it's like, I was talking to someone and I'm getting a lot of calls about jobs that are not ideal and they, yeah. they pay under where I'm, I'm kind of used to. Right. Like, in the marketing world, so I work in marketing, digital marketing and advertising, and um, there's a lot of opportunities right now, but a lot of the opportunities are kind of lower level, right? And so um, I've always kind of been hesitant to bet on myself, 
right? Just because, especially like, oh man, I have this responsibility. I got to earn, I got to earn, I got to earn. And I would have taken, previously I would have taken the first job that came to me. And now I'm like, which now I'm in a situation where I really should be responsible about providing. I have a mortgage, I have two kids, I have a wife. And it's weird because now I'm even more leaning towards like, no, bet on yourself, dude, bet on yourself. I think it was like having like that, um, what's that term again? Um, when you, in, imposter syndrome, right? Earlier in my career, yeah. I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. And and now it's like, no, I, I know what value I bring and I need to bet on myself so that I am setting up my future and I'm setting up myself so that I have time to hang out with my kids and that doesn't go to waste. I have time to continue to play in the gorilla den, right? Like, and build that. And so, um, you know, I think to answer your question very cleanly, it's like, yeah, I I feel that stress and that pressure to provide. And I think it's about, for me, it's about finding creative ways to doing that while also understanding that it's important to bet on myself and this is not the end of the world. Yeah, dude. And I will say like one thing that you did immediately off the bat, I mean, your, your father-in-law commented on this, um, where it's like, uh, why, how is Uday so damn busy? Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're, I think your father-in-law made that comment. You're like, yeah. well, he just lost his job. Why is his schedule so booked? Is that you yeah. like, v- like immediately got super proactive about, okay, cool. Like, here's my to-do yeah. list. Here are all the things that I'm going to fill my time with yeah. to help me move forward. And I think, you know, there's something important about giving yourself time to mourn the loss, right? Totally. Oh, and, totally. and there's something to be said about, you know, I, I do this too, is like you fill up that, that calendar so you don't really have to feel that yeah. icky, like, oh, what the fuck am I doing with my life feeling? Yeah. But there's also something to be said about, like, I, I do this, like, you're you're the checklist wizard, and I've started yeah. getting into it, becoming, I wouldn't say checklist, to-do list, to-do list yeah. wizard, and I've, I've been adopting this. And um, the very, what's amazing about the to-do list is, like, I sound like a, like, I'm, it's a fucking infomercial, but, like, what's amazing about <laughs> the to-do list is the very act of creating the to-do list is, um, it's therapeutic, it's, dude. Oh my God. It's so like it do making the list itself feels like you've already done the first item on the list, you know? And like, that is like, Oh my God. Like that's, it's the simple behavior of like, cause what's really easy for someone like me, I'm a, you know, I'm a creative person. Becca is, is the brains of this operation. She organizes all of the shit. But for me, like I spin out, especially in like, Oh, should I do this or this? I have yeah. these things to do, but ah, oh, this thing really needs my attention right now. Totally. It's whatever's on fire, whatever's immediately in front of me. And like what the list does is it makes, I hate to use this term, but like it makes that, ang- it makes that anxiety. It's bitch is it says hundred percent. Like, it says, Hey, like anxiety, craziness, like chill the fuck out. This is, these are the things that need to be done. And when it, when it's, written out as a list and you're just going from thing to thing to thing yeah. uh it kills the power that that ugly feeling has over you i mean that's what i how totally. i found it to be like super helpful i i actually shared the my list method um the, the one i shared with you with yeah. another training partner who's also a creative um and he said it's, it's like just changed everything for him and yeah. like it's had the same impact for him that's had for you and you know that, that, that makes me happy you know like i i feel like i sleep so much better knowing that that list is in place that i've 
attacked a certain number of things from that list. Whatever I haven't attacked is obviously not a huge priority for right now and get pushed to tomorrow, right? And like, it's just, I sleep better. And for four easy payments at nine ninety nine, guys, you too can have access. <laughs> Here he goes. <laughs> just um, kidding, guys. Awesome, dude. And like yeah. in this, like I just you know uh, yeah. really quickly, I'll touch on kind of what we've been going through um, yeah. because I think it, it, it's it's relevant. Um, so my three year old um, has gone has been going through uh, a real like defiant phase uh he's had a couple of weeks where it's just everything like brushing teeth going to bed putting yeah. clothes on um is a fight eating eating everything yeah. is a fight and um he's three you know he's three right it's three yeah yeah and um and you know the the his his favorite question is why you know um yeah. and which is you know as a parent when you're in it it's so freaking frustrating, right? Like yeah. Becca and I have had these like intense debriefs at the end of the night where you're just like, God, I did this thing today. I felt so fucking bad. Like he did this. And then you sit in there and you're looking at him, looking at him on the baby monitor and he's just like yeah. adorable. And he yeah. looks so cute and peaceful and sweet. And you're like, how did I just, how was I just trying to wrangle this kid into the bath, you know, and like resenting him. Yeah. And now like, look how beautiful he is. Um, and what I've learned, and I think, you know, generally when these things are happening it's because your kid is going through a cognitive leap it's because they're advancing uh mentally and their brain is trying to uh calibrate itself to the new reality that they are experiencing and it causes dissonance within them and so they're testing boundaries in the in the world and, and everything around them and what it means is that in a few in a few weeks they're going to be doing things. They're going to be okay. They're going to be chill. They're going to be back to their normal selves with yeah. like having gone, having like, you know, gone through something really cool. And you're going to get your sweet, adorable baby back or your kid yeah. back. And they're progressing. Like they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's just really hard because you feel like in the moment, it's impossible to see a week out ahead of you. It's impossible to see two weeks out ahead of you because right now you're sitting here being like, dude, why are you fighting me about going potty? Like you, you know what I mean? Like what, what, you know? And it's, it's, I don't know in, in jujitsu, you know, it's my old instructor. We've talked about this before, but like he would say, you know, uh, the good thing about having a a bad time, you know, about like going through a period Mm. of, of struggle is that that means that you're about to get better. And then he would joke and say, he would joke and say, it's because you can't get any worse. But, you know, he would say, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, his whole thing is like, hey, man, like, that's how it works. It gets hard before it gets good. And, you know, that in in jujitsu, I've seen it time and time again, right? Like you had, like you had this a couple of weeks ago, right? Where you were feeling really fatigued and and having a hard time training. And with kids, it's, it's it's the same thing with life. It's the same thing. Um, Come out of it. There's an, yeah. there's a, there's another side to that, right? There's the, yeah. you get through that tunnel. I'll tell you yeah. this, dude. I I've seen the way you interact with Owen, and I love it, dude. Like the, the way you talk to him, the way you speak with him is like you 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 don't talk down to him, right? Like you you're not talking to him like he's a child. You talk to him like he's an adult, right? Like or, or somewhat of an adult, right? Like, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, like I love the way you speak with him, and it just it puts him kind of on equal footing so that he knows he's not being like condescended to. Right. And he knows like, um, and and the reason I notice that is because I catch myself sometimes doing it with my little one. 
you know, I catch myself like she's my little baby girl, right? Like, yeah, and oh, yeah. she she leans into the fact that she's a little my little baby girl, and so she'll do like the cute face with a papa, please. Like, uh, I'll eat it up. I can't stand it. It's so cute, you know. I'll eat it up. Yeah. And um, it's weird because I never did that with Milena, right? Like with Milena, I, I did what you do with Owen, and I like. I notice it when you when you chat with him and you talk to him, and um, I think it's great. And I think that's that's probably why he's kind of reaching this point of like having these like, like, hey, why, Dad? Why? Why? What's going on here? Can you can you explain everything? Can you explain this too? Yeah. Tell me why. You know. So that's a good thing, dude. Like you said, like he's 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 growing. He's he's looking for explanation. He wants to understand the way things work, and he's trying to push your buttons a little bit, which is always like you know. In retrospect, it'll be fun later, but it sucks. Now. Yeah. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate that compliment too. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, and, man. And that's cool that you noticed that. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Thank you for sharing that too, man. I know yeah. it's uh it's it's a little uncomfortable to talk about some of the Ouch. hard stuff. And like, dude, I, I really appreciate your your vulnerability and being open about that. I think people listen to this will too. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll tell you I'll text you before we dive into the next thing. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you something I shared with Van yesterday. I had a dream and I was trying to figure out what this dream meant. And in the middle of the dream, I knew it was a dream. And by the way, if this doesn't play well on the podcast, we can mix it. Okay. So um, I had this dream. And in the dream, I was, we, we were in the house and we were being attacked. And it was some kind of beast, like some ground beast. I don't remember what it was. And in the dream, I was Wolverine. And I have my Ooh. claws on each hand, right? And the okay. girls, you know, they, they call me Wolverine. They call me Batman, right? Like in real life, right? So like yeah. in the dream, I was Wolverine. And as these beasts were attacking, I was attacking them back with my two sets of claws. And um, on my left hand, I noticed that my claws were like I, I, sheathed, I sheathed my claws, right? And then when huh. I tried to pop them back out after when we got attacked again, they were sticky. It wouldn't come out as easy. And so um, after this round of attack, I sheathed them again, and then we got attacked again, and they wouldn't come out. My claws wouldn't come out on my left hand. And I noticed my right hand was getting sticky too. And what I noticed was the claws were starting to pop out of my skin, and it really hurt in the dream, right? Yeah. And so I'm trying to think, like, when I woke up, I was like, what? What is this? What is it? What could this mean? You know, because it was, like, very vivid. And, like, uh -huh. the pain I felt in my hand from, like, the – the adamantium seeping out of my hands. Like it was, I was like, what is going on here? And I realized it's probably an analogy for what's going on right now, right? Like in the dream, I was a children's protector. I was the protector of the family. I'm, I'm, I'm protecting the family from these beasts who are attacking. In real life, I see myself as a provider. I'm supposed to be, yeah. I'm at least 50% responsible for providing for this family. There's six humans that live in this house. I'm responsible for at least 50% of the, what we bring in here, right? Yeah, and so- yeah. Losing that left claw was like, is almost like losing my, my job, right? Like my ability oh, yeah. to take care of the family in real life. And so like, also I noticed my laptop was like starting to be like a little sticky with me, right? Like it wasn't like working like I needed to, like I'm, I'm like sending resumes and stuff right now, like doing this. And like, I'm like, dude, this is my main tool right now. My tool can't <laughs> fail me, you know? And so I was like, I wonder if that's the connection in my, in my dream. So I don't know oh, yeah. if there's any dream, dream analysis and analysts out there that are listening to this, <laughs> feel free to let me know your thoughts. That's, that's intense. I've had, I've had yeah. similar. Yeah. That's interesting, dude. Yeah. Um, all right, dude, let's, uh, let's talk about you. Yeah. Um, so this week you mentioned, and I think it's a good idea is that, you know, people have been listening to us for a little bit, like they probably want to know our, our origin story, like how we started 
jujitsu, how he found uh, training. Um, and I know it's a question that I get asked a lot. And I think my story is pretty remarkable. And you think your story is pretty unremarkable. But I think that <laughs> we'll both find something interesting in each other's stories. So uh, do you like, why don't you kick us off and kind of tell tell me about how you started grappling because you've been doing it for a really long fucking time yeah you know i've been grappling for a really long time and to your point i think you're absolutely right like you know our listeners have been listening to us for a while this is our fourth episode and we've never really dived into who we are or or how we got here right so i think it's great to kind of share our origin stories if you will um so i've been grappling for 29 years um 40 now and i started when i was 11 and it started with wrestling you know i started wrestling around 11 years old and like kind of summer camps and, um, and just like, you know, at the high school and like I visit the high school and they had like a teen wrestling team and like, sorry, a junior high wrestling kind of program. And I joined that. And the reason I joined that dude was because I was a roly poly little dude. I was a chubster. And, um, I decided like, Hey, I, I, I want to make a change in my life now. I don't want to be a chubster anymore. I want to be able to talk about sports. I want to be able to do sports, right? And I and um and at the time I felt like I was looking at the list of options. I was like, you know, I've never really played football and so and everyone else has a head start on me, so I don't want to do that. And then I was kind of going down the list. I was like, "Oh, what's what's wrestling?" that looks dope. I want, I want to try that. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that's how I kind of fell into wrestling. And, and ever since then I've been hooked. Right. And, and this was 11 years old. And dude, when I tell you I sucked, I was horrible, horrible. And, um, you know, I, t- I teach some of the teens in Nogi and they're a little bit around the same, most, some of them are around the same age I was when I started, some of them a little bit older, and I see kind of the awkwardness in them. And I told him the other day, I was like, dude, look, I sucked more than anyone in this room when I first started. And so if you feel dejected, you feel gangly and awkward, don't worry. Keep coming. Keep having fun. And you'll work your way out of it. Yeah. Anyway, I sucked, Blake. I I was horrible. <laughs> and um, I think my, my very first competition, I didn't like I didn't really understand the concept of making weight. And had like a cheeseburger the day of, and I was like, "How am I? How am I seven pounds over? What do you mean? Like I don't understand this." <laughs> and so like, I was like, after that, it all kind of like made sense. Oh, okay, this is what I got to do. And yeah. so, um, you know, finally started getting decent. I didn't like. Someone asked me the other day, "When was the first time you you got on the podium?" And again, eleven years old when I started. I didn't get on the podium till I was a sophomore in high school in any yeah. tournament, wow. any tournament. And yeah. And so what high school, you're, you know, what, 16, 15, 15 years old, something like that. Right. So like all those years, like of just like grinding and grinding and grinding. And um, I think that's like an allegory for life though. Right. Like you have fun and you show up and good things yeah. will happen. Right. I, just real so, quick. I want to um, ask you yeah, like, um, yeah. Like, why did you keep showing up? Right? Like, I think so many things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like that's so many things in life. Like, right. Like you're like, um, like for me, like I I was, I was a really mediocre track runner, really mediocre. I, I ran track and cross country all four years of high school. Yeah. Um, and that was because I, it just being part of a team felt so good, you know, like having a community of people that were into the thing like that, that was fucking awesome. And so like, that's what kept me coming out. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think for me, it was a, I was, I was losing weight and I was getting in shape and I was doing it without running. Right. Like I was like doing an, I was doing a workout that I really enjoyed. And to your point, it's kind of having that team camaraderie and atmosphere. Right. And so I really enjoyed that. And in my eyes, I don't know if it was true or not. I'd really have to reflect on, on my performance back then. But I thought at the time that I was losing on the margins. Like I didn't think I was like getting my butt kicked by people of my own skill set, right? My own skill level. Yeah. Like the the older guys and the better guys were kicking my butt and I was learning from them. And the people who were kind of at my skill level, they were beating me on the margins, right? They may have pinned me. They may have, but like, I was like, oh man, if I can make this little adjustment, I don't think he'll catch me again, right? Or I don't think he can get this takedown if I make this little adjustment. So I was like, I could get good at this. I, I could do this, right? Like, and most importantly, just like anything else in life, if you have fun, you're just going to want to show up. And if you show up enough, eventually you start getting good. And what I saw was I cared more than the people around me and I was, I was surpassing them. And then I was yeah. lapping them. And, um, you know, and so eventually, yeah, I mean, to, so to answer your question is like, you just, you, you have fun with it and you show up, right? Like, and eventually um, I found myself on a, a D1 wrestling team in college. And Dude, um, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I didn't, I didn't think I belonged anywhere on a D one mat coming out of high school. Right. Huh. Like I, I, I thought I was totally out of place there. And, um, and it was a good team. This was at Northern Illinois university. And this was a team that was ranked consistently at the time in the top 15 in the country across all D one programs. Um, and we had some killers on our team. My roommate was second in the nation. I had another teammate who was like fourth or fifth in the country. You know, we, we, there was a room full of really good dudes there. And um, everyone just kind of pushed each other up, right? Like, you know, the saying like a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Totally. And, and so I was the lowest of the ships. And because the tide was rising, I, I came up with everyone, you know? And so... Um, so it was, it was very humbling to kind of get back to being the worst one in the room again, you know, and, yeah. and going back to that place where I would get my butt kicked at tournaments and not even have a, a chance. Right. And then it was also very rewarding sticking through it for the time I did that I kept getting better. Right. Like I kept improving and I'd see myself like doing better and better and better at these tournaments. Right. And so, um, it was, it was a cool experience. And then um, to kind of transition into how that turned into jujitsu was, you know, I, this was in Illinois. And um, about a year after I graduated college, I, I moved out here to L.A. And um, I was kind of getting antsy. I want to grapple again. And I was at a point where I was like, is this a part of my life that I'm just going to have to shelve? Is this like, is this done? Like, what am I going to do? Like, there's nothing else. Right. And so one day, are you familiar with Barry's boot camp? Like, oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I used to live in West Hollywood, and there was a Barry's boot camp within walking distance of me, um, right on the corner of like Santa Monica and La Cienega. And a friend of mine had told me, like, hey, you should go try this workout. You know, I think you really like it. It's really tough. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Dude, have you ever done that workout? Oh, yeah. It is fucking brutal. 
for those of you who haven't done it, it's it's a full 60 minutes. And in that 60 minutes, there's no breaks. And that 60 minutes consists of 30 minutes to the second on the treadmill and 30 minutes to the second with the weights. And you are going hard on the treadmill and you are going hard on the weights. And sometimes it goes 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15. And sometimes it goes 30 minutes, 30 minutes. And sometimes it goes seven and a half, seven and a half, seven and a half. Right? And so like, you never know what to expect from each trainer. And I remember I did that a handful of times. And right next to Barry's boot camp, dude, was Hollywood BJJ. And um, I remember it was like a cold October night, cold for LA, right? Like it was a cold October night. And the windows at HBJJ were steaming up because people were oh, in there sweating. I know, and I know that vibe, man. You yeah. know it? And I, I just I just walked out of Barry's boot camp and I was like feeling like I just got demolished. And so it was like a kid in the candy store, right? Like I put my eyes against the window and I went, <sighs> clear the window. And I looked in and I saw these dudes wrestling in pajamas. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, dude, I could do this. I, and I, like something just clicked in me. I was like, I could do this. And I think I'll have a lot of fun with this. And maybe I'll just go in and kind of show these guys what's up. And so I, I came in, like, maybe it was, like, the next couple of days. Like, I think I, I did another Bay's workout. I popped in just to talk to them, see it, check it out. And then I came back the next day in, like, you know, T-shirt, wrestling shorts. And, like, I just went in and um, I rolled with, like, a blue belt. And I did okay. I did well. You know, like, I I, um, I was a little bit arrogant. I was, like, 24 at the time, you know. So I was, like, yeah. I'm, not take, I'm not letting anybody get a piece of me. Nothing. So, I, to be honest, I kind of fucked up the blue belt. And then um, – <laughs> And then there was a purple belt, and uh, this guy, he was also a D1 wrestler. He was a wrestler from Lehigh, I want to say. And um, he was a purple belt at the time, and he grabbed me and goes, oh, cool, man. I saw you. He saw I was wrestling. He's like, oh, so you wrestle too. And we talked shop, shop, and he proceeded to beat the ever-loving piss out of me. And he found ways of submitting me I didn't know existed, right? And so I was like, dude, this is sick. Um I was like, all right, let me try to another person. So I rolled with a brown belt who never wrestled. And he also tangled me up in ways I'd never understood. And so I was like, this is fucking sick. I want to do this. And so pretty <laughs> much from that day on, dude, like almost every single day for two days, two times a day, almost every single day, like I was training and I was training and I still kind of keep up with that. Right. Like obviously there's vacations in between and like, you know, trips or whatever and, and little moments of time off. Um, but yeah, I was there. I went from white belt to black belt all under the same roof. And um, and then eventually I moved over to Cobrinha's. So and, uh, so people yeah. people who are listening, who gave you your black belt? So yeah, let me let me get, dive into that story. So it's interesting. So I was at Hollywood BJJ, like I said, from white to black. And there were different instructors that came in through the door at different points in my life, right? So I got my blue belt from Sean Williams because he was the head instructor at the time. Um, I got my purple belt from Frangia, uh, Ricardo Frangia Miller, who's the head of all Paragon. All G's, all G's Dude, right now. I, it's an embarrassment <laughs> of riches. I, when I think about some of the people I've trained under, I, I'm like, how freaking lucky am I, dude? Like, so Frangia, I got my purple belt from, and he brought in Jeff Glover and Bill Cooper oh and Sean God. Apperson, and these guys were like monsters. They're like so good at jujitsu, and one of the great lessons I learned from Jeff and Bill is just to have fun. Who gives a fuck if you find yourself in a bad position? Just roll, have fun, and just find yourself where you find yourself and, and try and untangle the puzzle, right? 
and then um, George Oliveira came through, right? George Oliveira used to used to be an uh, MMA fighter. He's really, really good at jiu-jitsu. Old school guy, like straight from Brazil. Like used to call him Van Dam. I mean, he's this guy's a beast. Um, and then um, Rodrigo Antunes came in as well. Like so he's he's so one of the consistent elements of my time at HBAJ was Sean Patrick Flannery. And for those listening, may recognize the name. He was the actor who played Powder. He was young Indiana Jones. He was um, the guy, one of the brothers in the Boondock Saints, right? So he was kind of the consistent figure that was there throughout my jiu-jitsu journey at HBJJ. It was his school. And so um, um, he brought in like Henry Akins. Henry Akins, so much of my game comes from Henry Akins right now, right? Like, and Sean and like all these guys. And so at the, towards the end, it was it was Sean Flannery and Rodrigo Antunes um, and kind of Frangia in, in the background as well, who who gave my black belt. And um, that happened in, in 2015. And um, and yeah, man, it, it's like I say, when I reflect on on all the people I've gotten to train with and and the people who I've learned from, it's like an embarrassment of riches. And and so from from HBAJ, I went over to Cobrinas, Cobrinas arguably the goat right like getting the opportunity to train with him then from there going to train with alberto right like learning from all these legends and and i should say i'm not a crayonch yeah i don't i didn't <laughs> jump the jump right like it was like like life situations happening and the necessity to move popped up right and yeah, so like it happens yeah so you know training at cobrinas was like um it was great and we found out we were going to have a second kid and like the hour commute there, the hour commute back, the two hours of training. I just couldn't do that to my wife, like be gone for four hours yeah. while she's on. You know what I mean? So um, I had to make like a, a a family decision there. And I mean, you know, getting the opportunity to train with Alberta was is like, that's that's the alternative. Let's go. You know, yeah. so, so that's a little bit about my journey. Sorry if I rambled on there, but um um, you know, I think I was be- sick, man. Yeah, thanks, dude. I didn't, I I didn't know it. all that. It's so funny. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. What about I you? Mean, Tell me about yours. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, out of high school, I mean, I, you know, I was, uh, like I said, uh, track and cross country in high school, absolutely mediocre athlete. Um, I, I love working out, been working out my whole life, but you know, I just yeah. never like, I just never really excelled. Um, and, uh, I was, you know, I played, uh, hardcore music in a touring band from 18 to 23. Um, and I spent most of that time like running around the country. Um, I say, you know, convincing teenagers that I was cool enough to buy a t-shirt off of. So I could drive to the next town and convince some teenagers that I was cool enough to buy a t-shirt off of. Um, and, and, uh, when that kind of, um, ran its course, I was really, uh, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing with my life. Um, I was in my, you know, mid twenties and I felt like I was so behind dude. And it was horrible. And I started cycling then. I started cycling kind of around 24, I think, or 25. And I got really into competitive cycling and I wasn't bad. Um, it was like one of the first times where I was like, oh shit, I'm, I'm objectively pretty good at this. And so yeah. um, I transferred, uh, I started going to community college in LA. I transferred to, to Cal and um, I raced bikes uh, at Cal on the, um, with the Cal cycling team, but mostly I got into doing triathlon. So I was a big member of the Cal tri team, uh, which is a club sport, you know, it's not like a, a big deal, but still like you're, you're competing, you know, it's a club sport everywhere. So every college yeah. is going to have like a, a legit, some legit competitors. Um, and you know, I was very serious about racing bikes. And after that, I 
continue to race bikes, uh, elite amateur level, um, primarily disciplines called uh, cyclocross. Um, if you're familiar with that, it's like a hybrid between um, road biking and mountain biking. Yeah, um, oh, it's oh, it's cyclocross is intense. amazing, dude. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's uh, so I actually raced a really niche discipline of cyclocross, which is single speed cyclocross. So it's okay. you have one gear on your bike. Uh, you don't have you can't shift and um you it's like short course so uh yeah. almost like like a 45 minute race hour-long race mixed terrain so you're going through mud and um like crazy pitches and like uh really technical chicanes um and then there are often barriers where you either have to bunny hop them or dismount and this is like on a bike that looks like a road bike um, it's a, Jeez. it's a sport that started in Belgium, uh, that road cyclists used to do in the winter in order to stay in shape for the road season. Um, anyways, uh, so, and then from that, I got into a, a discipline called gravel racing, which is gravel is very big now. It's very trendy, but it wasn't when I did it. And okay. so over the course of gravel, gravel racing is like, it's a, it's a crazy endurance sport. So like, you know, a hundred to 200 to 500 mile races, um, and you're, on a road bike looking thing, like riding through just gravel roads in the middle of nowhere. Um, and they're largely unsupported. So you have to kind of figure out your own provisions and kind of, you know, if you're going to have a, have a team that supports you on, on the race, um, to like drop stuff off at you. And I did pretty well at gravel racing. Um, I actually finished third two years in a row. My teammate finished second wow. in the most, um, the, the biggest, most contentious race in, in the world of graveling, uh, gravel racing, um, called, uh, gravel, uh, unbound gravel, um, which is okay. like now, now if I were to do that, like I, yeah. in order to do that, I would have to be like a, a legit, like tour de France level racer. Like now, like Dude, guys, that's huge. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's the level of, of competition yeah. in the field. And so okay. anyways, this was going on. Um, I, I was working in the fitness industry. I was a copywriter for a fitness company and a group on came across my desk. That was like yeah. a couple buddies, like sent it over Slack or whatever. We didn't have Slack at the time, but whatever yeah. it was. And they were like, Hey man, like this, this gym, um, uh, Bay Jiu Jitsu is having, uh, like, it's like a hundred bucks. You get a gi and, uh, a month of Jiu Jitsu. And I was like, I remember Jiu Jitsu. Like I watched, you know, I started UFC one with yeah. my uncles, you know, and like they were, they were kind of into that shit. So I was like, cool, I'll go try this. And, um, great school, Stefan, who runs, uh, Bay, uh, sorry, uh, Bay Jiu Jitsu is an awesome dude wasn't my scene. Uh, okay. I was, I was going with a bunch of friends who just yeah. wanted to beat the piss out of each other. And, <laughs> uh, and I got the, I got the piss beat out of me. Like, and I was like, yeah. God, this is like, if I just wanted this to get beat fun. up, dude, like I could not pay a hundred dollars and just have somebody kick yeah. my ass. Like totally. this is dumb. And you know, it was, it wasn't how Stefan ran at school. I came in with a group of guys and this is kind of the thing that they wanted to do. But yeah. I had a really good friend who was training at that school. Not a really good friend. He was a coworker at the time. Yeah. He was training at that school and he saw what I was, he saw it, like the way I was approaching it. And he's like, yeah. Hey man, come here, come here. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I think, I think you'd like this. I think you'd like this. I think you need to give it another shot. And I was like, man, I don't fucking know. This is like, yeah. I'm good at racing bikes. Like I suck at this. <laughs> and he's like, okay. Um, he left that academy uh, just for whatever reason. And he started yeah. going to a school that was like, we were in the financial district in San Francisco. It was okay. right up the hill, right up the hill yeah. from us. It was less than a mile away. It was, we okay. could literally go to lunch classes during our lunch at work and walk back. We had showers at the office and he's like, bring your gi to work. 
I'm going to take you to a class. And I walked up there and that uh, Homolo, Mello, Homolo got his uh, black belt under Vinny Aeta, a Gracie Humaida lineage. Um, and Homolo, I walk in and he goes, hey, man, uh, you know, like, yeah. what's your name? What's your deal? Blah, blah, blah. Cool. Like locker rooms right there. And I remember he said, make yourself at home. And I like, it just stuck in my head where I was like, oh, okay, that's different. And I went and changed and dude, like just something happened, something clicked. And it was like, this is fucking what I want to do. Like it just, the way he ran his academy, everything like that. So that was, and then I I also, I think having a purple belt who kind of took me under their wing and my buddy Alex was like, he's like a 10 year purple belt at that point. He got his purple belt from solo. um, And he yeah he's a he's a fucking monster and uh anyway so it just it just stuck dude and then you know um about a year ago a little over a year ago year and a half ago now um we had to move to la and um i just did some research i actually reached out to um uh hector beltran and hector who i'd known and hector was like dude you just go to legacy and so i walked in and i remember i walked into the gym and it was a sunday and dan spence was teaching i just told dan this story yesterday actually by the way i he and i went on a bike ride and i said uh he's a good dude dan's a really good good dude yeah yeah yeah. and and like and this is this story speaks test like is is his testament i walked in he he like made eye contact with me he's running a class and he's like walks across the mat shakes my hand asks me about myself and same deal make yourself at home and it was an open open mat you know it was like the interval class or whatever and dan picked out every training partner that i had for every round he said oh you're gonna roll with this guy oh so and so come here you're gonna roll with this guy blah 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 blah." i got off the mat and i paid for six months of classes nice (laughs) like right there i like literally just walked over i'm like okay cool it's yeah. not going to get any better than this. No, <laughs> like, that's, I'm not going to really go anywhere cool. else. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's how I ended up where I am. Dan is a really good dude and cares so much about his students. He yeah. cares so much. I mean, I've seen stuff from parents. Just my wife, my wife is on some of those like mommy and me blogs or mommy, mommy Facebook groups or whatever. And yeah. some of the other mothers um, who like, they, Hey, does anyone have their kids in jujitsu? People will chime in and be like, oh, man, my kid trains with Dan Spence, and they go on and on about how much they love him. So, I mean, it just goes to how great of a dude that guy is. Um, yeah, dude, I can't so, I can't, can't yeah. speak his praises enough. I mean, he's just such an yeah. asset, and, like, he's yeah. the kind of guy that you would – like, if you could hire him at your gym, like, yeah. I, whatever. He he yeah. has a job. He doesn't need a job. But I'm no, just no, saying, no, like, no, no. Don't he, take him from us. <laughs> he, like – He's just such an asset. So, anyways, yeah. that was how I got there, um, dude. That's a really cool story. I, I gotta say, like, um, I think it's so fascinating. I've I've heard so many stories about how people have gotten into jujitsu. I've never heard that story start with I used to be really into riding bikes, or I still ride bikes. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's so interesting. And I think one of the really cool things that you told me about your last tournament, kind of the mindset you had going into your last tournament, and actually the one before that as well. Um, you had an anecdote that you shared about a friend that was going on a on a bike ride on the same day you were competing. You should share that story with everyone. Uh, I think that's a, that's yeah. a really insightful thing to uh, talk about. Uh, yeah. So um, it's actually it's, it's interesting because like I had a conversation with Hector Beltran about something very similar. So Hector, I yeah. don't know if you know, he he's also a bike racer. Um, Is he? I don't know. He, dude, that guy's a did, monster, by the way. Guy over indexes in every category, yeah. bro. Yeah. It's just 
Fucking what a nice guy too, man. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I was, you know, I was getting ready to compete uh, for for whatever happened, you know, for a tournament, and um, my buddy was going out to on a bike race, uh, and it was it was a similar event. It's a gravel race, so you yeah. know, kind of unsupported, kind of whatever. Yeah. And um, and and someone actually was killed in the event Jeez. that he was racing in. Um, so the event starts off, there's like this descent and this person, you know, in this event, um, drifted onto the wrong side of the, the median and there was Jeez. a car coming in the opposite direction and, um, they were, you know, instant. And, and this happens a lot in bike racing, unfortunately, and people don't talk about it too much because it's, you know, it's, it's relatively, it's, it's a tiny margin, but yeah. you know, if you think about like how, how many races I've been in, like sure. the, you know, your, your risk ratio just goes so much higher. And, and to totally. think like you get nervous about going to a jujitsu tournament, you know, uh, my, you know, you get, you get afraid and it's like, man, that's not, that doesn't happen. You know, yeah. like I'm not going to get hit by a car, uh, in Correct. the middle of this, you know? And it's just, for me, that was just such a like, okay, buddy, like, you don't have to deal with that kind of fear yeah. when you're going out there. You're just wrestling another, you know, guy who works in marketing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that's, that's, that's really great perspective. You know, it's like, it's not life or death. And, you yeah. know, we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week. I know we're going to dive into this. We, we um, chatted earlier about maybe next week we talk about competition mindset. And I, but I think really quickly, it's, it's really great perspective that like, you know, you mentioned to me, your friend is going to be doing this all night bike ride. Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You have ten minutes, ten minutes of competition time. You know, if, if that, right? Like so. Yeah. Um. I mean, I just think that's just a great perspective. That that was it. Yeah. Sorry. Uh. Yeah. yeah so that also happened. So yeah, the same day that I was going out to compete, my buddy, yeah. uh, Matt, uh, Matt Weeby, uh, up in the Bay Area was doing, yeah, it was doing a a race that was, uh, two hundred and sixty miles, and he was going to be riding Jeez. his bike. You know, I like I said, like I will have gotten. I will have left, competed, come home, yeah, probably yeah. before he's halfway done with what he's doing, yeah, yeah. And like, it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's it's if, if things go, if things go as poorly as they, whatever, if things go, the maximum I'm going to be competing is ten minutes, it's <laughs> exactly. fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, exactly, um, and it really puts it in perspective for sure. Totally, dude. Yeah, speaking man. of bike riding, do you, do you know? That the first day, I don't know if you realize it, the first day I met you, the first day, right? Like, so we were at Legacy, um, I trained with you, and then the conversa- the immediate conversation we had after our round, after we slapped hands and said, hey, good job to each other, was you saying, hey, dude, I noticed you ride your bike into the academy all the time. You should wear a helmet. And ever since then, dude, I've been wearing my helmet every single time I ride my bike. And I look. You should. Like a giant dork. It's not because I'm wearing my helmet. It's because I'm wearing my helmet and I have my backpack on and I have the baby seat behind me. And everybody likes to comment on how much of a dork I look like. But you know what? My skull is not going to be fractured all over the pavement. Yeah. Right? So um, so I, I appreciate you. I mean, that's a bold thing to say to somebody like that you just met. And I appreciate that you did it because uh, you never know. You know, it's, it's better safe than sorry when you wear it. I think I told you. I think LA. I told you. I think I told you brains are expensive. Helmets are cheap. Yeah, that's a great, that is what you said. And like, and, and like, that's it, dude. Like, yeah. fuck man, your brain's the most important thing you yeah. got. I don't care how goofy you look. If you can protect <laughs> that thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't care how goofy you look without your brain. You're fucking useless. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like, totally. you know, like totally. Anyways, no, so, and I'm glad you said that. I mean, literally, like now, and it's it also goes back to like, you know, that note you had earlier about like practicing what you preach, preach with your kids. Every time Elena rides her bike, where's your helmet? Where's your helmet? Where's your helmet? I gotta wear my helmet, you know. So now, yeah. ever since that day, dude, every time we need to get we need to get better about that with Owen. He, um, I mean, he's not riding very much or very far right yeah. now. But dude, like all it takes is one little spill, and he he yeah. He, yeah. he gets into his helmet, but he gets it's um. Yeah, we need to be more disciplined about it. Cool, man. So uh, let's move on to Snack Attack. Uday, um, yeah. I know you had some uh, some insecurities about your choices last week. Dude, <laughs> so, I, listen, I owe thinking? our audience, dude, I owe our audience a huge apology. I mean, I was like, two weeks ago, I was like, guys, I'm going to come up with something healthy and blah, blah, blah. And what did I come up with? I came up with clementines. Everybody knows what a fucking clementine is. Why? I don't know what I was thinking, you guys. Like, so Blake, I I should have come with it better. Um, so this week, you know, look, you can't change the stripes of a zebra. When I snack, it's usually not healthy, unless I'm drinking a protein shake, which maybe I'll get to that one week, right? But like, if my meals are healthy, my snacks, I it's up in the air, right? Like, so I'm leaning to what I like. I love everything gummy. And so Trader Joe's has these tangy turtle tart and sweet gummy candies. For those of you who are actually watching, this is what it looks like. It is amazing. It's like soft, but has a little bit of bite to it. It's sweet. It's tangy. It's got, I mean, they're just amazingly delicious. And so for like, I think what, three bucks from Trader Joe's, do yourself a favor. The kids will love them. You'll love them. You know, just do an extra 20 minutes on the on the treadmill or like getting extra two rounds in when you're when you're going to practice when you're going to training yeah um it's a great tournament snack too so like yeah. it because it's oh you've had yeah it. oh yeah for sure uh we dude we're uh oh, we're big fans we're we're bribery parents so yeah <laughs> um, nice. when we like bribery got us through potty training um owen yes. owen was i mean whatever it's probably too much information for people but you know it was it was one intense weekend and he took to it yep. so well um, but dude, it was all like, Hey man, we just stocked up on like, you know, we did stickers and like checklists, yes. but dude, honestly, nothing worked better than candy. So, uh, oh, dude, we have, we do those gummy turtles, like, you know, they can't, they don't, they don't last in our house. Like they will last maybe 24 hours if we buy a bag. Cause like, yeah. you know, they we get them for, for Owen, but like, you know, I jump in there, yeah. Becca jumps in there. A hundred percent, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, especially because like when I go to get one way, for Owen, it's like there's a there's a dad yeah. tax, you know. Yeah, 100%, <laughs> yes. we do the same yeah. thing. Yeah, man. dude. Don't, listen, don't feel bad about about the bribery stuff, dude. We we built our parenthood game off of that with a sticker chart. Like we could do a whole episode on the bribery of parenthood and and how it works and how to make it work, dude. So yeah, no, that's that's legit. Awesome. Um, yeah, man, for me, I'm going to go, I'm going to have like my first, I think, uh, no, we had, we had a uh, chocolate ice cream cones a couple weeks back, but, um, so, uh, I don't have it, have it with me, but when Owen was, um, I think just starting to get, get on solids, our doctor recommended yeah. these, these, um, they're almost like uh, peanut butter Cheetos they're called Bombas. Have you ever had them? No, but they sound amazing. Dude, they're amazing. Trader Joe's, they're at the bottom shelf. They're in an orange package. They're like okay. a little thing. They're peanut, like peanut butter flavored Cheetos. And here's okay. the here's the real good one is that Trader Joe's has them. And so anyways, our doctor suggested them because they're a great way to introduce your kid yeah. to uh, peanuts. 
Um, it's like a, a low okay. level of peanut. So you want to build up that, that nut allergy, you know, um, or yeah. build up defense yeah. against the nut allergy and start by just kind of like incorporating yeah. that at it. Um, so we, we did that with those and they became a staple in our house. And now Trader Joe's has chocolate dipped Bombas. So it is, imagine a Cheeto that is peanut butter flavored that is dipped in chocolate. Yes. Bro. Like I, like Dude. I said, we bought them, I, I bought them once <laughs> to, to do this. And then I bought them again because we ate them before I could bring them all. on here and they're already <laughs> gone. So <laughs> I love they it. go fast, love man. It. Yeah. Dude, this is great. You know what? Next time we, next time we train, we're gonna have to like, bring these snacks that we talk about like to make sure that like i try them and you try them like this is like i still have a list have you have you tried the um the bottom of the cone things yet that i told you about uh, you know, no man one. i i need to check them All out right, i'm gonna get you a pair cool. I'm, I'm no I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you a bag i'm yeah. gonna get you, you you're gonna like it they're gonna go yeah. fast in the house but right i appreciate that yeah um cool man you, bro um yeah. you want to talk a little bit about pop culture yeah listen <laughs> blake do you watch black mirror uh, you know, I watched the first season, absolutely loved it. And then like, just yeah. whatever changes in my lifestyle, I've never been able to get back into it, but it yeah. does look awesome. So season six just dropped like a couple weeks ago. And the way I like to digest my shows is like, I, I like to binge, but then when I binge and it's all done, I'm like, damn, like that went quick. And this, this season was only like five episodes. So I like give it like one episode, like a week, right? Like maybe maybe like two episodes a week. And so like, I just finished the last episode last night and it was a little different than what you expect from Black Mirror, right? Like there's like a little bit more horror elements, a little bit more, a little campier, you know, a little bit more fun um, than kind of the dark, dark stuff you see in like season one, right? There's one episode that really, really fucked with me. And it was, um, it was an episode called Beyond the Sea. And I'm not going to give too many spoilers away, but Aaron Paul's in it. And Josh Hartnett makes his like return to acting, which I didn't even recognize him. Um, I had no idea that was Josh Hartnett until like, like a week after I saw the episode and I saw someone talking about it. Kate Mara is in it. And um, it's essentially, I'll give you a little quick synopsis and then you watch it. But it is maybe after you watch it, our audience has had a chance to watch it. We can give a spoiler warning and talk about it. But basically these two dudes played by Josh Hartnett and Aaron Paul, they live like in a space station and um, they're like doing this life-saving earth saving job. We don't really know what it is. And they have um, like body doubles that are robots that live on earth. And every now and then they get to go visit via their body. They send their consciousness into their robot body doubles on earth to spend time with their families. And in the beginning of the episode, Josh Hartnett's family is attacked. And I'm not, I'm going to leave it at that. And you know, he's got like a daughter, a son, a wife, Aaron Paul's got a son and a wife and like they have very different family dynamics and Josh Hartnett family's attacked. Blake, please watch the season. I think, I think you're like, at least watch this episode, but dude, yeah, we gotta, you gotta get back in a black, a black mirror, man. Yeah. Dude, uh, and you're, you're asking me why you're having Wolverine dreams, buddy, about protecting your family. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, for me, man, uh, we haven't been watching a ton of TV. Uh, I'll be honest. Like, yeah watching um yeah it just yeah i've been busy at night but uh i have been listening yep. to i mentioned uh the rich roll podcast which i'm i'm a big yeah. fan of and it's like you know as a dad like i have this little bit of quiet time um don't have it right now because owen is 
riding around the house in a <laughs> tricycle, as you can hear. Um, sorry about that for anybody listening out there. Um, but yeah, no, uh, we listened. To, uh, I, so I, I have this little dad time when I cook dinner. I cook at bre- breakfast and dinner for the family almost every day. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's a privilege of working from home and it's a little contribution I can make. And 100%. I really enjoy cooking. And so I always have like, it's like my little quiet time. And uh, yeah, Ritual, there's an episode about... Um, so I don't know if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, Rich is a uh, was an endurance athlete who kind of came into his um, into his prime in his 40s. He was an investment or a, a, a corporate lawyer um, and an alcoholic and just had a really hard time and kind of like had a big come to on his 40th birthday and um, changes a bunch of lifestyle stuff. And then, you know, now has he's one of the first kind of big podcasters. Uh, he was coming out at the same time as like Rogan was coming out. And, um, and he, it's, it's a great platform. Uh, it's like, you know, lifestyle health and he does a lot of really cool interviews and he did an interview with, um, Van Neistat. This is from like 2021. Um, so Van Neistat is Casey Neistat's brother. Casey Neistat is a pretty famous vlogger. Um, and Van is, you know, that he and Casey had a show together on HBO in the early two thousands. And then Van went on to kind of make movies and, um, he's had a career in Hollywood, but it's just, it's really, you know, he's, he's like a lot of people we know Uday just living in LA. Like, yeah. you know, you're, anybody else in the world is like, Oh, you're incredibly successful. And they're like, Hey man, I'm like paycheck to paycheck. They're big paychecks. Yeah. They come every six months, yeah. you know, like that kind of, and it's yeah. just interesting. Cause he's a very, he's a creative person, but he's very utilitarian about the way he's creative. Right. So it's like people have an idea about what created creativity and creative people are. In terms of like, oh, like, you know, you sit and think about ideas all day and like your your head's very and he's just like the logistics of being a creative professional. It's super interesting. So one of the one of my favorite bits about it that he talks about, though, on on this episode that I'll share with the audience real quick is he talks about. um, So he and his brother, Van and Casey, when they were getting started, they were making YouTube videos and they're making these really cool YouTube videos. I mean, Casey went on to make a really huge career out of it. Um, and the whole time they were doing it, they were like, cool. Like we're, we're making these videos to build a platform so that we can make real movies. And the whole time they didn't realize that they were actually like revolutionizing a medium and that like the work that they were doing on YouTube was so much more important than any kind of commercial work that they were going to do. They were like, like legitimate pioneers in that space that transformed the way they were still their brains were still thinking in terms of like the old media and didn't recognize that they were actually because their work was so good they were pushing this medium forward when they were trying to see it as a stepping stone to something else so i just think that's a really cool perspective i think yeah you know, you know i think about that a lot with like the stuff that i i create on the internet <laughs> not even i can't compare myself to that scale but i'm like i'm always trying to think about okay cool like this thing is the the stepping stone to the next thing to the next thing which i think is a good way to think but sometimes you have to be aware uh that what you're doing might in and of itself that space might be kind of special and interesting anyways uh no that's that's totally interesting i i you know i remember you you'd asked me if i was familiar with him and i I i haven't you introduced me and i i'm excited to listen to the podcast and specifically that episode so um yeah thanks for bringing that up and also, way more interesting and insightful than what I just talked about. <laughs> Whatever, so. dude. It's about a balance. You know, dude, we're all... I'm like, Black Mirror! And you're like, nah, listen, dude. I mean, we, you know, yeah. we, we also watch the Kardashians every week. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> just keeping it keeping it level. All right, dude. Yeah, uh, let's, let's wrap it up here. Um, yeah. Yeah, what do you... How do you feel about our themes of the week, you know? Yeah, you know, I think... 
look, I mean, we talked about a lot of heavy stuff today. Today's a bit of a longer episode, I guess, right? And so, um, yeah, I think it's 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 really about overcoming that self doubt and the fear of failure and the idea of perceived failure, right? Like, you know, look, I think when I think about success, it's never linear, right? It never goes like from a downward slope to an upward slope. It's never that, right? Very in very rare instances is it that. I think it, it, it looks a lot more jagged, right? And it, and and part of success is embracing that jag those jagged edges, right? Like understanding that that's part of the process, right? Like get laid off, it happens to millions of people, right? Like you lose in the tournament, it happens to millions of people, like thousands of people, right? Like everyone experiences that. And and what happens because of that? Usually something better, right? You stay you stay the course, you do what's working, you shift away from what's not. And you started thinking a little more strategically. And so, you know, that, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So just kind of embracing the process, learning from it, taking advantage of the time, you know, um, you know, I don't know when I'll have this time again. You know, I, I was out to dinner with a friend recently and she was like, dude, you may not ever have this time again until you're retired. Hang out with your kids, fucking travel, go do something stupid, right? Like go, like, go, like take an afternoon and take your wife out for lunch, right? Like, yeah, that's a great, that's great advice. I should, and I probably will. Right. So, um, you know, like, and when I think about that in like terms of like competition, right? Like you know, when I lose in a tournament, I get, I get pissed. You, I, I think you've been around me when I, no, you haven't. When I've lost like a, a match, I really wanted to win. And, um, I get pissed. I get pissed on myself. And then when I reflect on it, I get like hyper-focused. And I'm like, okay, this is the specific position I'm struggling with. This is how I'm losing these matches. And how do I how do I fix that? And that's kind of how I'm approaching my layoff, right? Like, okay, what happened here? What could I have done differently, if anything, right? Like, probably not much in this situation, okay? So what can I learn from it? How do I move forward, right? And so I think anytime you're faced with a challenge or, again, a perceived, a perceived like, failure, like, it's important to be analytical about it and, and just dissect like what could, is there something I could have done? Okay. Yes. Then then how do I make sure that doesn't happen in the future? If there's something I could not have done different, like if this was totally out of my hands, which in this case it was, okay, I have to give myself a little bit of grace and how do I move forward? Right. And so, yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And, and yeah, go ahead, man. I was going to say, how many people were in your, for context, how many people were in your round of layoffs? Yeah. Dude, 7,000 yeah. people. Okay. So 7,000 people. Yeah. So I, I like yeah. to think about like, uh, you're a baseball guy. I'm not, I am not a sports guy, yeah. but, um, yeah. you know, in order to be a world-class perhaps goat in baseball, yeah. would you have to hit three out of every 10 pitches? That's exactly it, dude. That's exactly it. Come on. You're failing 70%, 70 of, the time, of the time, right? Like, if you fail 70% of the time, you're in the hall of fame. That's so like that's back that, that, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and like jujitsu is like, yeah. Hey, you lost your first match. Fifty percent of everyone who competes loses yeah. their first. That is just yeah. by statistics. That is how games yeah. work. Fifty percent of people lose their yeah. first match, and it's like totally. okay, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it's like that's that's it. It's gonna it's one out of two. Yeah. You know, it's like it's so that's it. Yeah, it, it's yeah. like so hard to like because when you're on the receiving end of failure and you've created a narrative uh, in your head of what success looks like. Yeah. Um, it didn't involve losing that first match. It didn't involve maybe getting laid off. Um, but I just think right. that those, like I have like files of, of 
of motivation in my brain for certain types of things yeah. that happen, you know? And like totally. the, the, the baseball one is a really big one that I go back to, but yeah, man. Um, yeah. I love that. I say that all the time as well. And, and you know, I think I'll say it again, embrace the jagged edges that life offers you. Yeah. Right. Like it, cause there's no getting around it, right? Like it's going to happen. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it happens. You might as well enjoy it, embrace it, right? And and, and figure your way around. Yeah. It, right? Use it as a learning opportunity. I was just going to say that like, exactly. So like, I think, you know, just to close it out, like I think it's really easy to be yeah. opportunistic when you have good opportunities, right? And whenever people say, hey, oh yeah, like, you know, totally. I like I'm, I'm an opportunistic person. I snatch things up as they come. It's really hard to have that same like opportunistic mentality when you have bad opportunities. <laughs> and yeah. so it's, it's, yeah. it's looking at those bad opportunities. Uh, like how can I take advantage of this situation in another way? Right. And like, yeah. you know, e every opportunity can, even if it's bad, can, you know, can be turned into something that's beneficial or that takes you someplace else. It's not always going to be like, Oh, you know, like, I had, I got that interview and I hustled really hard for that interview and I got in there. Sometimes it's going to be, Hey, I got laid off from my job. Uh, and what that meant was I had more time to spend with my kids. You know, what that meant is that 100%. like, again, like I got to take my wife out for lunch. And I think that that's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. Being opportunistic is, is, is varied and different. Uh, it's not just being Love taking that. advantage of good opportunities. Yeah, totally. All right, dude. Yeah, man. Good episode today. This is <laughs> this is a bit of a longer Marathon one. Marathon episode, We're only like but ninety minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's all we'll good, try and keep like, it tight next week. Yeah. All right. Thanks for rolling with us there. That was a marathon episode. If you are still here, uh, God bless you. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, please drop us an email at grapplingwithfatherhoodpod at gmail .com. Thank you for all the support. I, you know, like, subscribe, all that business. And uh, until next time, protect your damn neck. All right. Bye.